Hi, and welcome to Telltale Tarts. I'm Tierney. And I'm Dana. And we're excited to give you book reviews with a little bit of sass. Dana, I'm so excited to talk to you about this book. When we chose this as our first book and I bought it, I kept wanting to text you and like talk to you about it. But I wanted to make sure we were saving all of our conversation for the podcast. Absolutely. Save the juice. I was the same exact <laughs> way. I, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I'd read it before and this was a rereading for me, but I almost think that it like confused my mind even more. That's what rereading a book <laughs> does to me. So I can't wait to just explore all the thoughts. Yeah. I want. So this is the first time that I read it. And honestly, like I... I want to go back and like revisit it, especially with all of the nuances and stuff that we're going to talk about today and some stuff that I learned in preparation for today, in air quotes, preparation. There's plenty of things that I should have prepared further, but um, I'm just excited to see and hear your thoughts. Um, so Dana and I are going to give you a little bit of background about the book, give, tell you what the book is about, and also a little bit of background about the author. So the book itself is The Children of Blood and Bone is what we're talking about. I don't even think we've said that yet. Children of Blood and, Blo- Blood and Bone um, by Tomi Adeyemi. It is the first of currently two books. The second one it was out in 2019 called The Children of Virtue and Vengeance. So this one, so um, we have, it is written in first person, in multiple perspectives of first person. So each chapter is a different perspective. The protagonist is Zaylee. She is a diviner. Um, her people have been oppressed by the monarchy, who is Enon and Amari's father is the king. And they we also get their perspectives in the book as well. So 11 years prior to when the book takes place, magic was taken away from the diviners and the magi. And now they are oppressed and called maggots and other horrific names to show that they are lesser than this truly tyrannical regime. So the whole book is about trying to get magic back, trying to fight the oppression of the uh, monarch, but also getting their perspective sort of through the eyes of this the king's children. Mm-hmm. So anything you want to add to that? Um, I, I would say, yes, it's about magic. It's so much also just about family relationships Uh i mean oh my goodness if you think your family's got some drama there's there's some interesting um (laughs) things going on in this book so 100 percent. i'm glad you mentioned that yeah i'm really glad you mentioned that we definitely see some tension and conflict um between the family that's so important to the overall theme i think yeah i mean that's really kind of the thing that resonated most with me and i it makes me wonder a lot more about tomi i'm gonna go back and research her a little bit more yeah. Um, but just so you know who she is, she's a 27-year-old woman. I can't. Um, I can't handle that. I know. <laughs> like, I, I mean, this has been the week of young people yeah. showing how brilliant they are in yeah. literature. Um, you know, Tomi is 27. She is Harvard-educated. Um, her degree is in English. She is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um and you'll notice, yeah, she has an English degree from Harvard in the first <laughs> the first few pages of the book. Just her her prose is beautiful, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But um, she's also a Nigerian immigrant, which is interesting. And I think that that perspective is going to be um, integral. In, what's the word? Yeah, integral. Yes. To, I used to say integral. 
Oh. <laughs> until like a year ago. And that's really embarrassing. Because... I have like a list of words that I mispronounced like in my head my whole life because I only <laughs> ever saw them in books. Yes. And I was like, oh. Well, thank God <laughs> oh, for that, you. That's a different word than <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> um, oh my God. So funny. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sorry. Just had an epiphone. Um, epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> it took a minute. Though. We're going to have to edit this out too. Um, so... She's a Nigerian immigrant, and her experiences um, as a black woman, a Nigerian immigrant um, in the United States, is huge to understanding what this book is. And it also separates the fact that even though her parents, when they moved here, kind of stripped not stripped is not the right word, but maybe kind of embraced an American, um, culture, American perspective. They they chose not to teach um, Tomi her native language and things mm-hmm. like this. Um, and but she still had the ability to learn about her culture mm-hmm. um, in her education. Um, she did um, like a fellowship or or something like that, and I think it was Brazil. And it really opened her eyes and interest to. Um, her heritage and her culture and where she's come from. And she takes a lot of that and and gives us this wonderful story. And what I think is so interesting about that, especially from, you know, an American perspective is that when you look at the majority of black people in America, that history is a mystery to them. And so I think that this book is a gift of of heritage and, and what we can create for ourselves by accepting and not accepting certain framework in our society and, and yeah. things like that. I'm just going to go on a tangent here. No, so. I, no, I think you raise a really good point. I think, you know, she's, she is sharing a glimpse into her history and her culture that I'm so lucky that she's, giving us this gift, right? It, it's a culture that I'm not familiar with that I learned about because of this book. And, you know, I did a couple, some research and, you know, my knowledge is still very, very, very shallow, but absolutely. I think she's giving us and, and, um, definitely African-Americans a gift into what it looks like to actually, you know, um, be an immigrant from this country yes. from Nigeria. Yes. And I love that. I love that gift. So thank you, Tomi. Yes, absolutely. Um, into a couple of different analyses. We are English teachers, so that's what we're going to do, but we're going to do it in a fun way and probably disagree. Um, so the first thing that we want to talk about is character development. And we thought since we're married to nerds and we are nerds that we would use a D and D die to, um, decide <laughs> who will go first. So would you like to roll first or would you like me to? Sure. I'll okay. go first. Okay. 13. 13. Okay. Okay. I'm really... Higher number goes first, right? Yeah. Higher number goes first. Dang it. So that's going to be you. No. Oh, yes. Three. Three. Okay. It. All right. So character development. I'm so excited to hear what you think <laughs> about these characters. Okay. Um, I have a lot of opinions. Okay. <laughs> um, overall, character development in this particular book is probably my favorite thing. Um, and I tend to, and I'm going to kind of circle, like I'm really, I'm really tangential. <laughs> I, I'm terrible. So I'm going to flip between, um, 
character analysis and also talk a little bit about what, why I think that that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to start with my favorite character, um, Zaylee. Like I just, her character is so beautifully developed, um, in a, in a very accessible, predictable, um, framework, I think. But I, I think that if we look at, you know, characters as potential mirrors for ourselves, and potential windows into the lives of somebody different than us, then the things that I really felt resonated with me when I was looking at Zaylee is that she is somebody who sees, and this is going to sound so stuck up of me, I, I feel like I and Zaylee both see the larger picture of, of, of a situation. Mm-hmm. And she was not afraid to, um, and maybe she just didn't have the foresight to look at the immediate situation, but she was looking at how can she help her family in a really broad sense. Mm-hmm. Like she really fought for the longevity of, of her family. Yeah. Um, like generations looking forward. Um, whereas in contrast, I feel like her brother was more worried about the immediate situations. Right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and I feel like that really resonated with me. And I feel like she, more than all of the other characters, has this really strong moral compass. And she just, she she stuck with doing what she knew was right. Mm-hmm. And I really, that, that resonated with me because that's the person I want to be like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What are your thoughts on Zaylee? So I really like Zaylee. I I thought her character development was great. I agree with almost everything you said. Okay. And I think she she's somebody that I want to be like. Yes. You know, she's she's a feminist icon, I think. Like Absolutely. I think she's very um she's everything that I think women want to see or bring into the world. She's Absolutely. so loyal to family, but she cares, she's moral, she's Flawed, but even her flaws. I'm just like, yeah. but I was about to talk. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, please. But um, her flaws, in my opinion, are just kind of her anger, and she's kind of bitter. Mm-hmm. But I know why. Like she witnessed. Is this a spoiler? I don't know. They saw it. They, it's literally like at the first page. Okay. Right? I mean, yeah. She she witnessed her mother being murdered. Yeah. You know, and so she's living with this trauma, and instead of being victimized by this trauma Mm -hmm. it creates in her an anger that is like a righteous anger yeah and it is what what she's like she it ignites within her something she's fighting for Mm -hmm. I mean what talk to me about her flaws that you perceive yeah I mean I think she is she's very quick tempered right she like and she's and she's very quick to judge Mm -hmm. which is like the only thing that was it never led to many bad decisions that I could notice, uh-huh. which kind of annoyed me. Uh-huh. I was like, what? She's like making this decision based off of no information and it doesn't really lead to... I mean, she messes up. She makes a lot of mistakes throughout the book, which I appreciate. Um, but she's... I don't know. I just really want to be her friend. She's also funny, mm-hmm. you know, and strong and okay to be vulnerable. Yes. And like... I don't know. And, and she's self-aware. Yeah. I just, 
I enjoy listening to her. I mm-hmm. want to hear her story and I love mm-hmm. listening to her in first person because what amazing insight yes. we get, you know? Absolutely. Um, so I really enjoy thinking about her. Yes. Like, you know? I agree. And I, f- I completely agree with that. I, I, I do feel like even some of those flaws, like her, her being quick to temper and things like that are justified. And I think that that was very yeah. well thought out mm-hmm. by Tommy because she... I think it highlights the fact that her moral compass is so spot on that even though there are problems that occur because of the decisions she's making, when the decisions matter, we'll get to that when we get to plot, Mm -hmm. Um, but even when tragedy occurs because of a decision she's made or something and it was a fast decision or whatever. Just impulsive or something. Right. It still is the right decision. Right. Even if it caused a temporary setback or a temporary uh, problem. And I think that too goes along with potentially is that free will or is it the gods kind of leading her to do these things? Oh, that's such an interesting conversation. Right? And so I, I don't know. I, I, in either case, she's, her decisions typically lead her to make a decision that she is proud of or wants to or whatever. And and I think that's great. And so when we, when we learn more about the gods of the, of Orisha and we learn more about that society, yeah, it, Uh it, it, it it begs a lot about free will versus fate and all this stuff. I'm going to, I'm excited (laughs) to talk about that because I did not really explore that thinking when I was reading it at all. So I'm excited to hear what you think about that. Um, so Amari is another character, mm-hmm. um, and she is actually the daughter of the the king, who is a tyrant, right? Um, now she does not come into the story with this emotional baggage that Zaylee has, and she certainly comes in with all of the privilege of her um, f- more fair complexion and mm-hmm. her rank in society, and all of this privilege that um, changes the perspective of the reality of the story. Mm-hmm. Isn't her complexion a little bit darker than her mother wants, though? Yes. Isn't there that whole section about like putting powder to make her lighter? Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like that's a huge part of culture. You know, I, I would say it's not even a uniquely American conversation, Um I mean, I'm from Hispanic descent, and that's definitely a conversation that, Mm -hmm. you know, my family brings up often, and there's shame connected with darkness, and and I'm so interested that um, Ariemi would put this in the book and and make that the center of this social hierarchy, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's important to note. Like, like she's making a statement about about darkness and lightness, and... Um, it's, it's very interesting. So yes, Amari's mother like does things to try to lighten her skin mm-hmm. because the lighter the skin, the higher the social class. Right. Um, but you know, even though Amari has all of these privileges of, of experience in, in that higher social class and has the privilege of not having been traumatized, she's still an incredibly complex character and I think that Ariemi did a really good job of balancing 
you know, her naivete of the atrocities mm-hmm. with, with understanding and, and, and op- like she, she, when I go back to that mirrors and windows thing, she reveals in me all in the world. I don't know, mm. you know? And so, yeah, like when I, when I was reading her, I was like, man, I remember when I had that light bulb switch. Like I remember feeling exactly like Amari did. Yeah. Um, so I really like that about her. Um, I don't, and I guess we'll talk about this in another section too, but I don't really think that that the male characters were as developed as the female characters. I really loved Amari and, and Zaylee, but I did mm-hmm. not, especially Inan. Inan is um, Amari's brother. And he is, he, I don't, he does not know what he believes, yeah. honestly. Which I get, like I get that conflict. I, but... It, it it would it was like a different it was like different I don't know I felt like it was like changed too much and I didn't know I had trouble following his like why yeah. one thing would change his perspective I felt that way the first time I read it and so when I read it the second time I was like you know what I mean and this is my theory this is the rabbit hole I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to go down yeah so and this is why I said earlier, I think that she's exploring not just race, but she's exploring gender and she's exploring um, socioeconomic, you know, status and, and things like that. As far as the gender role goes, like, I mean, it is, I mean, to me, it's so obvious mm-hmm. that Zaylee and Amari are really fully developed round characters and that you know, every review that I've read or, or watched on, on this particular book is really disappointed in, in Anand's character. Mm-hmm. But I think that's intentional. I think that she is really highlighting the power of femininity mm-hmm. in the understanding and empathy and um, critical, I don't want to say critical thinking, that's very sexist of me, but just in the way that the female characters... They're resourceful. They're resourceful, but they're also very quick to say, oh, I understand. Like, you know, I mean, how is it that Amari way more quickly was able to see how her dad was so terrible? Yeah. Well, because she saw it firsthand, right? When but her Anand brother was doing it firsthand. That's, no, that's true. You know what I mean? He that's was, true. and maybe that's the thing. Like, maybe it was this light bulb thing. Maybe the male characters, and maybe this says something about the structure of, of gender and society. I'd love to explore this more. I'd love to hear what you readers, yeah, um, our audience think about this. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, her brother was immersed in this evil act and this, like, almost brainwashing of of what, what is right and what is wrong. And he was made to feel like he had to do what his dad said because his whole goal in life is to make his dad proud. But is that, is, is the revelation so much easier for Amari because she wasn't brainwashed and she had that, that witnessing. Can yeah. we talk about the witnessing? Yeah. So in the first couple of chapters, Amari witnesses Someone very close to her. We can just leave it at that. Uh-huh. Somebody very close to her be murdered by her father. Yes. It, which is not a new 
idea to her father. Her father is happy to murder and oppress and Uh put people in chains and whatever. Um, So I think that, you know, in that, in that kind of, that, that moment, and that happens quite early on, that moment sparks the entire series of events. Right. Of the rest of the book. Right. And, and it changes. I mean, and you don't get me wrong. I mean, Amari still struggles throughout the entire book with, with whether she truly thinks that it's as evil as it is, or she, she struggles with her allegiances. Um, certainly, but it's a way, in my opinion, a way more dramatic shift mm-hmm. to sympathizing for Zaylee mm-hmm. and, and, and the diviners. I don't know. Like, I mean, in, go ahead. No, sorry. I don't think, I don't think her allegiance, she ever has issues with her allegiance. Like, I think she always knows that her father's in the wrong. She, she struggles with what to do about that uh-huh. because like whether or not to go back to her father or like all these things, but uh-huh. she, she has, she finds that she's more capable of, of doing things that Zaylee needs to do yes. instead of kind of relying on Zane and relying on Zaylee to take care of her. Yeah. But I gotta tell you, that process really annoyed me. Like, I felt like she, and I understand that she's a princess and everything, but I felt like her being able to do things on her own. And she was always like, I just want to be helpful. I just want to be helpful. And it's like, okay, then do something helpful. Yeah. Like, like it kind of frustrated me that yes. it took her so long. Cause the, we don't really see her start to actually like show her skill and stuff until like three quarters of the way through I the agree. book. And I'm like, Amari freaking like, I mean, I would do something. Yeah. Do something like they cannot like, carry you you know absolutely like Zaylee's already carrying the weight of the world but in the last quarter of the book I stopped being so annoyed with her yeah. and really appreciated her and her relationship with Zaylee and her relationship with Zane and even in her relationship with Enon because that's so hard yeah um and so Zane is Zaylee's brother um can we talk about him for like 10 yeah, seconds talk about him I hate that he was not a first person narrator I could have sworn that he is, just briefly. Is he not at all? I don't, I, if he is. When you said three narrators earlier, I was like, oh, darn it. I thought there was a little bit of Zane in there, but. I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's just the three of them, but I love Zane. I want to know more More about about Zane. I respect that he's like, like Zaylee's the hero, obviously. Zaylee is the one making all these big decisions. She's chosen, whatever. But Zane is like, okay, hold on. He's the level-headed. He's thinking about the the cause and effect of every decision and about protecting his family. Like that is he is he is a very uh, altruistic's not the right word. What's the word? Like he is just a good guy, he right? Is, yeah. He's just he's he loves his family and he loves games and he like to me yeah. he's his age. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's a true teenager, but he's responsible and he takes loyalty seriously and he takes everything very seriously, but he's also like like interesting and Absolutely. not just like this flat, you know, random guy. I don't know, like and and we only get his, there he's not a primary 
okay. um, narrator. My bad. And no, I no, thought no. he was. No, for a because second. because he's such an integral part of the book. He right? really is. Yeah. And, and so I get annoyed because I'm like, I'm seeing all of his things from like Amari's perspective or from Zaley's perspective, not as much Anon's perspective, yeah. but and I I'm just like, okay, I want to know what Zane's thinking because like he's. I, I I think he deserves so much respect. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. And I think that goes back to I think she did it on purpose. You know, I yeah. mean, and I tell my kids all the time, authors do things on purpose. Hopefully, every you know, with, <laughs> I mean, and if they don't pick up on it, their editor is going to pick up on it. But, the, but Tommy is brilliant, and I. This is a story about female power, and um, Zane's perspective is good, and it's necessary to balance kind of the extreme impulsivity of of Zaylee. Mm. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he kind of reels her back in. and, and She's very gut. Very. And like, thank goodness heavy. her guts. Yeah. yeah. But thank goodness she's got good intuition. Yeah, exactly. But is that her or is that the gods? Like, exactly. You know? Exactly. So, bum, bum, bum. I know it. I know. Um, man, and there were some things. <sighs> we should have talked about this before we started recording because I would love to delve into Inan more because... You know, there's a lot of frustration there with a lot of people who've read the book because, can I spoiler alert? Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Earmuffs. Um, <laughs> no, but there's this weird uh, love scene yeah. that, that felt real forced. Yeah. Um, that didn't develop, and that's pretty, uh, that's a common, uh, you know, complaint about the story, but I mm-hmm. think that was done on purpose, too. So this is kind of like my little rabbit hole. Like, I am wondering... Mm-hmm. Are you wondering what I'm wondering? No, I want to know because I... Okay, I am wondering if if Zaylee is yielding some kind of power, wielding some kind of power, over Inan when he is with her. I mean, what I noticed when I read for the second time is that when he is away from her, he turns back into this ugly tyrant who wants to destroy her but when they are around each other it's almost like she can enter his thoughts mm-hmm. and I'd love to know what you guys think about that mm-hmm. and I think that it really started when they bumped into each other mm-hmm. in the marketplace yes yeah. mm-hmm. and so I want to know more about well there's going to be something to look forward to in in the second book and I'm that's that okay. So okay, so here's here's where I am with that. Okay, because I think you raise a good point. Because I keep talking about they're meant to be together. It's like I meant to. I think her. she's Meh. like. I think she's she's. But he's the mind controller. He uh, is. Yeah. Right. That's his power. And where does that even come from? I think it comes from the bump. He didn't have any power until they bumped. I know, but she's touched a lot of people. I don't know. I'm like okay. I like there's something there there's a so this is this is the issue I love the book I think it's a great book it's it's I have some things that I want to talk about with like setting and world building and stuff but but my issue with that whole thing is like that was very it was very told and not shown to Mm -hmm. me like it was very like oh and like it's like we're meant to be together and then we're gonna have like this hookup by the tree and like what 
what is it happening? Did, it didn't make sense. It, it's it's weird. It's weird. And and I liked it because I wanted them to just like get it over with. Yeah. But I guess then I'm a hypocrite because if I wanted them to get it over with, then that scene didn't come too fast. But it felt like it did. It like really it felt did. like it was just like a random. And then like the dreamscapes thing, I actually kind of like. Like I kind of like that. That's like their special thing to go to. I don't know. Like I. It's an in. I would. I, I like Dana said. I really want to know what you guys think because to me, this is my issue with like a lot of young adult literature. That it, I'll be honest, we're doing this podcast for young adult because I I haven't personally given it the attention it deserves. But what I have found is that a lot of these relationships are like, bleh. yeah, like it's not developed. It's not a developed relationship. And yeah. I want and and maybe that's because that's common in teenagers or whatever. But also, like, give teenagers more credit. Well, and this is why I think that this is intentional, and this is why I think this is going to be something to look forward to in the second book, because, you know, Adiyami really takes time, and maybe not, you know, super amazing time, but, I mean, I feel like Zane and Amari's relationship is mm-hmm. much more developed. Like, I feel like we get, like, it's slower. I It is slower, but it's also, like, I mean... I guess they like each other because they're just together. Yeah. I don't know. Like, they're just yeah. not, like... But they're also cute. Like, I like, I like them you, together. Yes. You see, but you see more interactions between them. Like, how things build up to, to you know, making making an attraction there. Like, yeah, that's true. Well, they're they spending both hate time each other. together, yeah. like, physically. Well, he's been nice to her since the beginning. Right. You know? Right, right, right. Because he's just a nice person. The only person he's mean to is Zaylee. Well, that's my, that's my question, though. Like, how in the heck does does Zaylee and Anon go from yeah that to that? I yeah. don't understand. Unless it's going to be some something that's revealed to us later. Well, and considering what happens between them at the end of the book, which I'm not going to spoiler alert. Yeah. But maybe that's why, because so many evolutions happen. Yes. So many cycles of their relationship happen. So she kind of, maybe she had to get there. I mean, it's 500 plus plates broke. So to say things are taking, like, are going too fast sounds kind of, you know, like unrealistic. And, but well, And let me say this. Like, I don't think everything in the plot goes really fast. Sorry to skip all the way to plot. <laughs> but I mean, I'm a pacing person. Like, I take, me I take a lot of satisfaction in a well-paced novel Mm -hmm. and I think that a lot of the plot points were really well done Mm. I think the situation was set up really well I think that the inciting incident was a little wonky Mm -hmm. um you know that's interesting do you want to dive into plot sure yeah Um, I'm just I'm curious to know how it was so easy to steal the scroll or to take the scroll that was so, like, guarded and treasured. Like, that's fair. Yeah. That was my one big question about plot. And then the other criticisms that I might have are more about kind of, um, like, a redundancy almost. Like, I feel like we would progress and then cycle back to something yeah. that we and I had to relive something mm-hmm. that I'd already read about the character or an interaction or something and then move forward. So those those kinds of things were a little bit frustrating to me. And um mm-hmm. is, is rising actions are hard though. Like mm-hmm. I feel like to you know <sighs> incidents that occur to to propel the plot are difficult to craft 
um, naturally, like, you know, in their natural journey. So they had to kind of pause for something to happen. But the the thing that bothers me about that is that this is your clear cut hero's journey. Yes. 1000%. You know what I mean? So if this is your clear cut hero's journey, then you're right. Like if you're doing everything pretty much by the book, I mean, from like media con to like all these different elements, um, your rising action really shouldn't be that cumbersome. Right. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? I totally agree with that. But but to be fair, there's so much conflict. And, and something that I really like that she does. By the way, I love this book. I just want to put that out there. Oh, there absolutely. are just some things that I like are frustrating. But I, I, um, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, what I do love about what she was doing is how easily she intertwined plot and background yes. into that is the that. gold. That yeah. is the gold. She, that was beautiful. I never felt bogged down no. in those details. Absolutely I, it not. Was, yeah, it, she really. I mean, that was that mm-hmm. was beautiful. And not everybody can do that when they're world built. I know we're kind of getting off of each thing, but. That a lot of aspects of world building, you kind of are pulled down by by so much talk of politics. Or if you're J.R.L. Tolkien, you'll write a completely separate book to explain the politics. But um, I, I thought, like, I knew what was going on. I understood the intricacies of the land and everything. 1,000%. Um, but, yeah, some areas I'm just like... And I think it's because she switches back and forth between the characters' so perspectives so much. Yes. And so that, I think that's a hard thing to navigate when you're creating one storyline. Yes. And I think it's different from like G like um, George R. R. Martin, right. Yeah. Who does the same style of point of view because he's in different lands with the different perspectives, right. Absolutely. He's in like a completely different part of his, his world. Whereas in this world, you have Amari and Zaylee her who are together. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. And then Anon is like kind of with them, but like right behind them. And so I think that's probably where it got jumbled was like, what part am I? Absolutely. Well, but that's also kind of what's beautiful about it because I feel like, you know, back to the worldview thing. I mean, this is very, I mean, is allegorical the right word mm-hmm. for a lot of issues that we see going on in current, you know, current events and the way that people respond to them? Like, I think we can just talk about it. Like she, she mentions it on the flap of the book that she, yeah. that Black Lives Matter movement one hundred percent influenced this book. Yeah, and I think, I think she really. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm sorry, please but do. She like really gave us an interesting and necessary perspective and really made me look at Black Lives Matter. Um, I kind of got down more of like the Nigerian mythology rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, but when I read the back flap and saw that it was also about Black Lives Matter, I kind of went back and started reading it yeah. with that perspective. But um, not that they're mutually exclusive or anything. Like it's, no. you know, one... one um, you know, horrible oppression that we're looking at. Right. And so, um, but that helped feel empathy for the diviners, you know? Absolutely. And it made me realize, I mean, I always talk to my kids in class about, you know, connect other things that you've been exposed to with what you're reading. And this just made me think of a, an excerpt from, um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s, um, letter from Birmingham jail where he wrote explicitly addressing like, um, the white moderate and how baffling it was that they could, you know, 
just ignore the violence and ignore mm. and and you know to to recognize that it's wrong but to say that the means for justice are not justified and those kinds of comments and it really made me think about um this wishy-washy nature of um of a person, a young person realizing that racism is wrong, Mm -hmm. but coming from a home that doesn't recognize it and that will chastise you if you do recognize it. So is Inan the white moderate? Yeah. That's, that's kind of the rabbit hole I was going down and that her influence over him is one of empathy. You're so good. I don't know, but I'm curious to see if that's how it's going to play out or if he is going to be the ultra villain. Mm-hmm. See, that's where I'm going to. Yeah. Like what stance is Enon going to take? Absolutely. Like is, is his allegiance to his family mm-hmm. or is his allegiance to what is right and wrong? Right. And I don't think he even knows that to be honest with yeah. you. Interesting. I hope we didn't give too much away, but, um, but we're not going to tell you what happens at the end of the story. But Enon is a is an interesting character. Yeah, he is interesting. Um, okay, what would okay? So we kind of combined both thing, two things there. And, you know, I think that that's okay though. We can combine things because I talk yeah. to my kids a lot. They're all interconnected. Yeah, you can't write an essay where you just talk about one device or one technique or one element. You know, yeah. it's all it's all woven together. Like that's what good writing does. Exactly, I love it. I do want to talk about world building. Yeah, let's talk about it. I got a ton. Okay, let's do it. All right. There's so many things, so many ideas. Do you want to do the dice? Go ahead. You roll first this time. Okay. All right. Yes. Oh damn. She drew. She rolled a nineteen. Nineteen. Eight. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's talk about aspects of world building, right? We've got culture, religion, um, history, politics, yeah. right? Um, race, ethnicity, all of these things, right? Think about the world that we live in, and this is the world that a fantasy writer especially needs to create, right? Um, I think she does a lot of really strong things. I love the map at the beginning, and I actually, okay, did some some research on some aspects of Nigerian culture. Go and, you. <laughs> and, you. I mean, and in particular, the Yoruba culture, which is where um, Tomi is from. We're, I wish we were on a first name basis. I've been calling her okay. by her first name. I hope that's okay, Tomi. I hope that's okay, Tomi. Can we be friends? <laughs> I want to be your friend so badly. So, okay. So the name of the land in which they live is Orisha. Mm-hmm. And Orisha is actually an entity in um, Yoruban religion. That means unique, special, selected head. Mm. And it's described as an intermediary between humankind and the supernatural. Wow. So isn't that so perfect for a land that is basically segregated by whether or not you are one of the gods or the diviners mm-hmm. and the, um, the non-god-given... Yeah, absolutely. Entities. And I feel like that is... Oh, just keep going because that's okay. it's making me think. I'm drawing my connections to like real world right now. So keep okay. talking. Oya, who is in the book, the god in which um, the Reapers represents mm-hmm. the Reapers. Um, she is the third wife of Oba, and is the guardian of the cemetery and winds of change. So she is a goddess in Yoruban religion. Lagos, which is a land 
is a prominent city of the Yoruba people uh-huh. in real life. And then, um, yeah, so that's kind of, so I, I appreciated those nuances and bl- please understand this was a very shallow dive. So if I did get anything wrong, 1000% correct me. So I, I appreciated that aspect of world building. I'm going to tell you one that I didn't like though. What? I like that they were going through this land, like, and we got kind of a glimpse at each part of Orisha. I don't think it was descriptive enough. I, I agree. I Do you? Agree. Okay, good. Especially okay. because I feel like <laughs> I feel like there's all these other little subsets of people and places that they stop at on the journey yes. too. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Stop. I mean, and I'm hoping that in the other books we're gonna get a glimpse of that mm-hmm. and that it'll be, you know developed a little bit more but it made me curious 100%. and I want to know more about these people and the nuances even in the people along the journey because <sighs> I want to know the difference in like plant life that oh, sounds yeah. stupid but you don't even know I am like like I want to know how is this fecundity quote-unquote different Right yeah. in this land, in this land, it's like there's a lake in a couple of different lands. Yeah. Okay, so how is that like different, and how are these people different? Like when they entered um, the desert land. Yeah. I wanted to know more about that. Um, was it Kaduna? I don't. I don't know. And so I kind of. My book does not have this on the inside oh, cover. Oh of really? It. Oh y'all, get the hardback copy. That has the land map because that's really, really helpful. Um, I, and I loved the Holy Temple, but that also bothered, we'll get there. But, you know, anyway, this is one thing about, about, you know, the initial situation that kind of um, confused me. And we didn't really talk a lot about um, the king when mm. we talked about characters, but I want to know what, what has caused this, um, you know, this control and narcissism and... Well, his family you know, died. Was murdered. Right? I, I the mean... The king's family? By... Magi. For... Like, Magi rebels. So, like, when... So, his father was trying to make peace in the land by mm-hmm. hiring like a lot of it's explained in the last chapter. So, he wanted to bring together different um, representatives of the different tribes and like have some, um, peace in the land and have like the, the Magi have a say in the government, basically like a parliamentary system, I think. And, um, then rebel Magi came in and murdered the King's family, the King himself. So that's what made, but I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, did I misunderstand? No, I mean, by comparison though. Yeah. How is it that somebody can come out of a trauma like that? And I guess this is the age-old question. How can somebody come out of a trauma like that and be a Zaley? Mm-hmm. And somebody else can be a complete tyrant jerk who is killing people. Well, see, that's what's so interesting is it's like... Because Zaley, when she's fighting... When she's in the scene with the king... I don't remember what's going on... Um, she says, you cannot let a group of rebels represent 
an entire group of people. people. And I think, like, so she's been impacted by the death of her family and right. the death of her mother. And he's been impacted. Right. The king's been impacted by that. But, you know, and so if we're thinking about, like, Black Lives Matter, if you're thinking about the people who, like, set fire to the different buildings and stuff, you can't let a movement that means so much more to be you know, represented by oh, absolutely. those groups. And I, sorry, that was kind of a separate note, but so I, th- so I get, I, okay. Say, I take this with a grain of salt. I get why the King is so frustrated. Is he just threatened by, by the gift, by yeah. the magic? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a control of power thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like a direct metaphor, direct comparison to, um, the power that has been created by, you know, white Protestant Americans that we cling to and have a difficult time rejecting. Not rejecting, but, you know, I don't know how to say that, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I mean... I mean, is, is that the yeah, metaphor? Yeah, I, I think it's like, I think, yeah, I think it's like these groups of people as feel... That they have been disenfranchised. Absolutely. Right? And and then, it, but it's like, okay, but what is the reality of that disenfranchisement? Yes. Right? Because the reality is that African Americans in this country are oppressed, mm-hmm. you know? And the reality is that it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that there are riots, For right? Sure. And that's, and that, you know, yeah. we can have whatever opinions about those riots, yeah. Um, but that's not indicative of the philosophical need for the movement. 1,000%. Whereas I think it's the same in the book, whereas the Magi, 100 million percent don't deserve the treatment that the king gives them. And he turns evil, right? Like he right. turns into this, like, you know, horrific devil character. Uh-huh. And... You know, I, and I, I think it's, you know, he lost everybody close to him. So from like a psychological perspective, I understand how his trauma is affecting him. Um, but he's still a villain. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. even though we can understand that his background impacts him, he's still a villain. Oh, absolutely. And I, I feel like this really makes me want to explore, explore more why? Why does this? Why is this still a problem mm-hmm. like we're dealing with now? And it, it, there were other things. I'm going to flip back. I don't mean to change the conversation or the no, direction of the conversation. But earlier you were talking about how um, you wish that they would have spent more time on certain things. I think that was done with a purpose too, to a degree. I had a little note here that I was going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was a death that occurred, um, and it was really fast. Yes, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to say which character, but I'm going to say that, yes, it was like a scene that was disturbing, but it was not a scene that, like, that changed any particular character or really was given enough emphasis to impact the audience in a large way. I mean, this is my opinion, and I feel like there is, that's kind of a statement about the deaths that occur in current events, you know, that, that, um, involve Mm -hmm. police brutality and things like that, how it might be shocking initially, but the impact of 
the incident is not powerful enough to move the larger audience to change. And, um, that's so interesting because I, that really impacted me, her, this character's death. Yeah. Because, so there is a death three quarters of the way through the book that, that we're discussing. Um, I, I had to reread it though. Mm -hmm. So maybe I was impacted because I read it twice. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I think you're right. I, I think yeah, that's a really interesting analysis. Like I was just, and maybe, maybe it did the first time I read it. I don't remember. But the second time I read it, I was like, this is a bigger deal than it's being made out to be. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because they were on the run. Like they're on this journey. Mm -hmm. Like they're on the move. Do you know what it is? What? They don't talk about it a lot afterwards. They don't. They, there's no processing what occurred. Yeah, they mention it like once or twice. Like, oh, and then this happened. It's but like there's normal... No... Hmm, interesting. Anyway, that's something I'd love to explore more and talk about. Hear what other people think about that. Yeah. What is it supposed to say about our society? What is it supposed to say about the experience of being human? What is it supposed to say about the experience of... Um, perpetual exposure to trauma mm -hmm. um what does it say about about me mm -hmm. how do i how do i interpret atrocities mm -hmm. well how long do they resonate with me and we haven't talked about how the that trauma that you're talking about with the king how he treated his children absolutely i mean you all are going to see true cases of abuse i mean it's not it, the descriptions aren't so horrifying that you're not going to be able to to handle it, I don't think. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody's triggers are different. So, of course, you know, everybody can handle different levels of, of, of violence. But um, it's, 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 it's clearly horrific. Yeah. You know, and the fact that it's so... So there's hypocrisy in that, right? Yeah. Because he is doing all these things because of what happened to his family, yet... He's okay because this, his new family is not his family. Right. Right. So because his first family, so he was married prior to Enon and Amari's uh, mother. Enon and Amari's mother is his second wife. And he had a son and a daughter or some, he had children from his previous wife and they were murdered by the Magi. And so then he just completely mistreats his new children and to make them stronger than his first family but the treatment is so unique there's no love there is no love no i, I honestly if i'm gonna say that the king loves somebody he loves um kai yes he loves kai yeah kai is the only character that he really extends any affection toward and that made me wonder why too so it's it's I think that that plays a lot into Inan's character as well. Like he is trying to win his dad's love and the way that he tries to do that is by being violent and yeah. by being evil. This is what power means. This is what power means. And in order to earn love, I have to have power. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Which is exactly why the Magi, so the whole point of the book is to bring magic back. Yeah. And so, um, and whether or not they're successful, we're not going to tell you because it's kind of a twisting ending. It really is. fun. Um, I really liked the ending. Um, Me too. I, I was, I was really impressed by that and, um, because it really makes you want to read the second book, but, um, I, 
got lost in what I was saying. Yeah, no, I, I me too. <laughs> it's it's just good. It's an interesting. Um, I don't know. It's just a really interesting look at family. Like you're doing this to protect your family, but you're not. You're the reason your family is disturbed and traumatized and yeah. all the things. And um, I actually really liked that part of the book because we we see inside of Inan and Amari's relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really symbolic of current events. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Explain. Like, I think that if he's the white moderate, then she's like the sympathetic person that's like trying to bring a level of understanding to her privilege she's like understanding her privilege thousand percent and if you're listening to this podcast and you disagree with us politically that's fine we're showing the interpretation of the book we agree with that interpretation of the book i think that's fair to say are you Mm -hmm. cool with me yeah absolutely like and but if you disagree okay that's like that's fine (laughs) and please don't come for us we're really trying to be (laughs) you know, understanding. And if there's something we missed or on either side, on either side, you know, call our attention to it. We'd love to have a discussion about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, man, there's one, there's one thing about the ending that I really want to talk about, but it's totes a spoiler. So spoiler (sighs) alert for the next five minutes. (laughs) I won't take five minutes, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I really think, you know, going back to what I said earlier on in the podcast about her background and her knowing that she is Nigerian and knowing what her heritage um, was so that she could go learn about it, even if it was lost in immigration, like even if her parents did not hand it down to her, she was able to go find her heritage um, and learn about it and write about it and embrace Mm it, right? Um, But descendants from you know, American slaves cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Right. So in or the they ending, do, it's a lot of, digging. right. It, yeah. Exactly. If they, if they do, it's a lot of digging, but that's why in America, we can acknowledge that there is black culture because their culture was stripped from them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so what I think is interesting about the way that this ends is that it, it parallels that narrative because there is a destruction of the heritage. And in, yeah. In a very literal figurative sense, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a, it's a, I can't, I don't want to spoil it. I know y'all don't want spoilers, but I think that the, and this is my, I think again, tell me what you think. I think that this is a parallel. This is, a, this is exactly, you know, Ariemi trying to say, you don't have your heritage, but you can summon it. Mm-hmm. You can. It's gonna make me cry. I love that. Yeah. Like you know, because that's what she does. Yeah. You know. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I do. I it, I thought the ending was really powerful in a way that is deeper than just, you know, a a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I th- I I would ask people to read it, regardless of or even especially if you disagree yeah read things you disagree with or that you think you disagree with because yeah this is gonna open so many 
perspectives. And and if anything, this book promotes unity yes. because well, because of what happens in the book, I which I won't talk about, but like it's just like a beautiful, weird mystery, and I'm I'm really interested to hear what y'all think. Um, but I, what we have to we have to understand other perspective. We have to understand other cultures. Yeah. So that's why if you disagree with anything that we're saying, comment. And we'll, we'll even read it at the next at the next podcast because we listen. We both come from different backgrounds. We have people on all sides of the aisle who believe in all sorts of different things, yeah. and we want to hear your thoughts. And I think that what Ariemi is doing is presenting a culture that we are not familiar with. Many of us, for those of you who are, I I am jealous. I I think it's fascinating, and I would love to read a book on Yoruba culture. Um, but it's she is parallel. She makes it parallel to our society today, and how people aren't that different. No, no, we all just want to do what's what's right. We all want to identify with Zaley. Mm-hmm. We all want to know who we are and where we came from, and we all, you know, value virtue and value goodness. Yep. And I think that respecting the humanity of others is just so central to the experience of being human. And when we recognize that that humanity has been stripped from other people, it gives us an opportunity to listen Mm -hmm. and to to change the world it we can change the trajectory of that yeah so yeah i just thought this was powerful i think that's powerful too um so all in all is there anything else that you would like to mention regarding world building anything like that i have so many thoughts on like the lighter skin versus darker skin because i immediately thought of like Rwanda, like the Hutus and the Tutsis, even though Nigeria is obviously like a very different culture. Like I immediately went to, um, to those different histories that have Uh impacted this, you know, the African community so much because then that led to basically the African civil war, right? right? And like all these different things. But, um, so I could talk about that for years from a psychological perspective, but, um, I immediately thought of Toni Morrison because, you know, she really talks about that in a lot of her works, you know, and just the... Maya Angelou does too, and um, I know yeah. why the cage bird sings. Right, and when I taught in the Houston area, I taught in a predominantly black school, and I learned words that my kids told me that they use in their community. I mean, they used words, and this might be offensive for me. I would never use it out in public, but I had never heard in my life yellow bone and red bone before. Like, I'd never heard that before. Huh. And um, there is, like, this hierarchy of... of of color in in different cultures and it's it's this weird and that comes too from like colonialism oh for right sure. like the hutus yeah. and the tutsis were all because of belgian colonialism and stuff but anyway we uh, there's so there the, the, the whole point is there are so many facets to this book and i think it is flawed like all writing and we just want to call attention to it because that's what we're here for. We're but reviewing books. But to be books. fair, like <laughs> those flaws did not make me want to put the book down. Absolutely. hundred like, <laughs> percent. Yeah. I was and like, I want to read the second one. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> um, well, so once again, um, 
I will be we'll be putting up our website in the uh, description of our podcast, and I will also be putting a Gmail account. Uh, so you can either comment directly on the podcast, send us emails. Uh, don't send hate mail. Just send things we could work on um, because we want you to like us. But we're open. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and next week, so so we will be putting out a podcast every week. Mm-hmm. Next week we will be doing American Royals. So we're switching gears completely. Yep. Um, I'm really excited to read that. I have not read it, so that's what we're working on this week. Um, but once again, the book that we reviewed today, Children of Blood and Bone, Tomi Adiemi, overall, highly recommended. Um, I really want to go get The Children of Virtue and Vengeance, mm-hmm. and um, tell us all your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And we're curating a list of future reads, so if you have a recommendation for us, send it our way. We are excited to build a list that will be engaging for you and give us something to look forward to as well. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much. This is the Telltale Tarts. And um, (laughs) Dana just started waving to you. (laughs) Like I'm on a Zoom call. (laughs) Um, But really, um, we, we already love you and we're looking forward to next week. Thank you so much. Bye.